Happy Thursday, everyone, and welcome back to Unbothered. Your host, Josh, here. And today, I'm going to be talking about tonight's Thursday night football matchup between the Titans and the Packers, who I think has the edge. Then the Eagles make a signing today. I'm going to tell you my top ten teams in the NFL. Kevin Durant spoke to the media yesterday about his trade request, his team, leadership, Delved into that. I will be discussing that. And then Tuesday night, college football playoff rankings came out. Matched very closely with my top ten. I just had one switch around, and I will be reacting to that as we get closer to the end of the college football regular season. Two weeks left of that. But let's go ahead and get started with tonight's Thursday night football matchup between the Tennessee Titans and the Green Bay Packers, who has the edge tonight. Packers coming off a big win against the Dallas Cowboys, 14-point comeback in the fourth quarter to then win in overtime. Great win uh, by them. Picked the Cowboys. But Aaron Rodgers historically owned the Cowboys. And that continued, whereas Tennessee is navigating injuries. Last week beat the Broncos. Their defense, the Titans, has been really good to me. They have a very underrated good, uh, very underrated defense. They're good at stopping the run and defending the pass. Uh, they've been great all year. Uh, I am picking Green Bay tonight. However, I don't think Green Bay's win last week was a turn of the course, the tipping point to where we're going to turn it around and win out or run the table, as Aaron has said in the past. I thought last one was a good win, a good launching pad of sorts to figure some things out. And I think this Thursday night game is the best for them uh, because it's, you know, on short rest. You're on a, you know, high after losing five games in a row where you didn't win at all. Uh, really? In the month of October, five weeks in a row you lost. You know, before last week, their first win, or their last one was October 2nd. So it was a long time. Now they get a short week. This game is in Lambeau Field. That is a big advantage for them trying to bounce back. So I think they win that here. Uh, Another reason I'm not picking Tennessee, I'm going with Green Bay, is both teams are dealing with a lot of injuries. Uh, right now, uh, Rashad Gary, Stokes, out for the year for Green Bay. Green Bay also do- doesn't have Romeo Dobbs. Devondre Campbell will be out. Their guard uh, tackle, Bakhtiari, Elton Dink- Jenkins, are both questionable to play. So Green Bay's dealing with some injuries, but I think the Titans are dealing with bigger injuries. Senator Brent- Ben Jones is out. Uh, your kicker, Randy Bullock is out. Big to have your kicker there. Uh, Bud Dupree, linebacker who's great, is out. Armani Hooker is out. And Jeffrey Simmons is questionable, and he's really the key cog in the uh, rush defense there. We know Green Bay's going to want to establish the run game. You know, last week had over 40 attempts running the football, and Rodgers only had 20 uh, attempts passing. Uh, That was the formula for success there. So if Jeffrey Simmons doesn't play, I expect A.J. Dillon, Aaron Jones, 
to have big games on the ground here. And I think both teams will be able to run the ball effectively. Derrick Henry, to me, is the best running back in the league. Uh, so, Packers don't have a great rush defense. The average, you know, opposing running backs can get 4.8 yards per carry, so close to five there. So, fantasy tip, start Derrick Henry. Don't worry about him. And I'd be fine with an A.J. Dillon here or an Aaron Jones. I think one of them will really feast uh, in today's matchup there. So that's a big fantasy bet, running backs across the board. Uh, I don't think this game will be as high scoring as last week uh, in the Green Bay-Dallas game. Just because the Titans' defense to me is a little sounder, it's a little more buttoned up. And another big X factor I like uh, for the Titans in a game like this is their head coach. I think Mike Vrabel is a terrific coach, one of the best coaches in the league. He's obviously not a Mike McCarthy as he has a few duds in his calls and his situational football and how he calls and schemes a game like he did last week. I obviously think he's a better coach than Matt LaFleur. I think if these two uh, coaches were to swap, I think the records were to swap. So if Matt LaFleur was on the Titans right now, they'd be 3-6, and six, not 6-3. Six and three. If Mike Vrabel was on the Packers, they'd be 6-4, and four, not 4-6. and six. Uh, I think, you know, Mike Vrabel, what he can do, uh, just absolutely shut down the Broncos last week. I know that's not, you know, big, but the week before that in Kansas City, uh, really gave Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City offense a tough time. With your backup quarterback, you went to overtime. Uh, so that was just, again, great coaching there by Mike Vrabel. They also win the turnover differential. So when I say Green Bay's going to win, I think it's going to be very close. It's going to be a field goal, walk-off, touchdown sort of game. But I do like to see... Uh, Christian Watson growing his role. He was spectacular last week. Alan Lazard uh, was great as well. So if Christian Watson can just be a little bit more reliable, he had the two early drops last week, uh, but if he continued to be reliable, if he was post that, uh, I think this Green Bay offense can move up and down the field on this Titans defense just because there is so many injuries. But again, with these injuries, going to come down to the coaching. Like I said, it's, you know, Tennessee has Mike Vrabel, who I like more. Uh, but if the ball's in the quarterback's hands, you need a game-winning drive. I trust Aaron Rodgers a lot more than, my, than Ryan Tannehill. I'm sorry. Just do. Uh, that was proven last week in overtime. Aaron Rodgers proved that again. When needed, he can still make throws. He's still good. He's not the main reason why this team is four and six. Uh, but again, a crucial game here for both teams. Uh, Tennessee, uh, a win here would be huge. This is really, really, uh, separate them from the AFC South. I think, you know, we're too close to talking about clinching, but if Tennessee were to win this game today, they would then be uh, you know, two games ahead of the Indianapolis Colts. They had the tie break. So essentially three games 
The rest of the schedule is about similar. So that's a big one there. And it's also keeping pace in the top of the conference as well. So that'd be a big one. For Green Bay, I think if they lose this game tonight, they're officially eliminated. Uh, I know it's not official, but to me, it becomes as official uh, as it gets. Right now, you know, there are only two games back behind the playoff spot, behind the San Francisco 49ers, but they lose this one. They have seven losses compared to the Niners' four. They still play the Eagles next week. Uh, they still play the Dolphins at Miami in the regular season, Minnesota, and the Detroit Lions. Uh, those last two games, those are already two teams they lost to. Bears look improved as well. So, you know, Packers lose this one. They probably have a losing record. They don't make the playoffs. This is a huge win for the Packers to maintain course for a wild card spot. I like the Packers to play more desperately, like Aaron Rodgers. I like the momentum that they can build off of last week's emotional win, emotional from Matt LaFleur. Uh, but I do think very close, like I said, field goal touchdown game. Wouldn't even be surprised if Tennessee won. It's how tight I think it is going to be. But in the end, I'm rolling with Green Bay in this game. Next piece of news. The Philadelphia Eagles signed veteran Ndamukong to try to bolster up the defensive line, their, their defensive interior. This comes one day after signing Linval Joseph as well to the defensive line. They're trying to bolster up that rush defense, and I totally get it because to me this is the biggest uh, we area of weakness for the Philadelphia Eagles uh, because right now they don't have Jordan Davis, their first-round pick, their you know, 6'5", 6'6", 350 defensive tackle there. So adding some veteran pieces, Nadamakon too, very good with the Bucks in stopping the run. Uh, same with Linval Joseph. So when Jordan Davis eventually comes back, you know, this defensive line can be very stout stopping the run. So I really like what Howie Roseman did here for the Philadelphia Eagles. He had an area of weakness, and guess what? He's not uh, going to let Nick Sirianni try to scheme to try to figure out a way to stop a weakness. He said, hey, I'm going to get you some players. I'm going to try my best uh, to make it to where this area of concern here doesn't cost us down the road, doesn't cost us the number one seed, doesn't cost us a playoff game. So I respect what Howie Roseman did there and, you know, being aggressive to try to make a move, uh, especially after, you know, the last two weeks, you know, it was an issue against the Texans, but you can kind of gloss over it when you win the game. However, when you lose the game, a divisional game to the commanders at home, that's when it starts to be a little bit glaring. The media talks about it a bit more. So, again, I think it's a very smart move here to beef up that line, especially considering – the teams that you might face in the playoffs, they're going to want to run the football. Just what it is. Minnesota will try to establish a run with Dalvin Cook. He broke free for an 81-yard game last week against the uh, Bills. Eagles would want to stop that. The New York Giants, it's a one-man Saquon Barkley show. 
Again, in the division, Philadelphia hasn't even faced him yet. They don't want that happening. Niners, power running football personified right there with Christian McCaffrey, Elijah Mitchell, working some Debo Samuel back there. Again, they want to run the football. Tampa Bay, they can run the football when they try to establish it. The blocking's there. The misses are there. They can do it. Uh, Leonard Fournette. But don't forget the explosiveness of Rashad White for Tampa Bay as well. They're another team that wants to establish a run if they can get do so early in the game and if they're not uh, playing from behind Dallas. Dallas also wants to run the football with Zeke, Tony Pollard. So Philadelphia knows that. Again, they addressed it. Honestly, they'd probably be better off in the AFC because to me, Philadelphia has one of the best secondaries. Kansas City can't run the football. I know we like to try to say that they can. They're running football games, but they're doing it because of Mahomes and Kelsey. They can't run the ball. Clyde Edwards-Alaire is basically a water boy at this point. And Isaiah Pacheco, I'm sorry, he's not that good. Miami Dolphins, they can run the ball. I'll leave them alone. Tennessee Titans, I'll leave them alone. Baltimore, they run the football good, but it's mainly because of Lamar Jackson. Uh, A lot of those numbers aren't approved. The Jets like to run the football. It's hit a speed bump with the injury there. Buffalo does not run the football. Chargers, uh, considering they have a great running back in Austin Eckler, they pass the ball to him. More than he actually has attempts out of the backfield. Cincinnati has Joe Mixon, but to me, the ball always feels more in Joe Burrow's hands than Joe Mixon's hands. But back to the main point here, you know, great signing there by the Philadelphia Eagles. Could prove to be a really underrated signing until the playoffs start. Now I want to get to my top 10 teams in the NFL right now through 10 weeks of the season before week 11 kicks off tonight. Number 10, Dallas Cowboys. Yes, the Dallas Cowboys are still on the top 10. They did drop, but I think they're a good football team. Uh, Defensively, uh, they have the most sacks in the NFL. That defensive line is pass rush is spectacular to me, the best pass rush in uh, the NFL when you look at D-Law, Marcus Lawrence, uh, Micah Parsons, really good Trevon Diggs, much improved in the secondary. So this defense is good minus, you know, the rush defense. I think this is a good uh, defense here overall. Offensively, uh, to me, they leave a much to be desired considering Dak Prescott gets paid so much money. However, C.D. Lamb, to me, just had his best game of the season in the loss. If they can continue to have that chemistry, that'll be good. The offensive line play has been good. Uh, Pollard, Ezekiel Elliott can run the football there. So I think Dallas is just fine. Even coming after a bad loss against Green Bay, they're still 6-3. and three. Uh, They're still meaningful games on their schedule. Uh, right now I had them at 10. Number 9. The Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, they just came off a bye week, but Cincinnati is still very good. They're five and four. Uh, they have a top ten offense. Uh, very good throwing the football. Joe Burrow is really special. 
And then their defense is also fringe top 10. Uh, not a lot of stars on the defense. However, they do make plays. Uh, like I said, Joe Burrow is playing spectacular football right now. He's fourth in passing yards. He's got the second highest completion percentage at 70%. He's just one of the most accurate football throwers there is in college. In LSU, he was 80. Since coming into the NFL, he's hovered around the 70% mark. Uh, he's just very accurate. I like to see his QBR move up a bit. He's at 55, but the passer rating is high at 102. Uh, Joe Burrow is great. This team is still doing good and I think can remain good uh, until they get Jamar Chase back healthy. Number eight, the San Francisco 49ers. Uh, to me, I think this team has the best defense overall in the NFL. They're number one in yards allowed, 280 per game. Uh, they're four in points at 18.1. This defense is really good. Nick Bosa, defensive player of the year candidate uh, material. He can absolutely get to the quarterback. Mike or Fred Warner, best linebacker in the game. Ufunga, one of the best safeties. This defense is really, really good. Outside of a one hiccup to the Chiefs, and the Chiefs will do that to you, uh, score 40-plus points, this defense is good. Offensively, they have a lot of firepower. They surrounded Jimmy G with firepower. Debo Samuel, George Kittle, went out to get Christian McCaffrey. Elijah Mitchell is now healthy. Worked back in Trent Williams. Is healthy now. Brandon Ayuk, to me, is a budding wide receiver star. So this team has a very talented roster, very good at running the football, and, again, very good at defense. And so, again, you know, and to me, they're also very well coached. Uh, I think Kyle Shanahan uh, is the second best head coach in the NFL. It's crazy saying that even though he's never won a Super Bowl. That's how talented I think he is at calling plays, scripting plays, uh, continually scoring throughout the game. I think he's second to Bill Belichick. I think think he's a great coach, and he's a quarterback short of winning a few Super Bowls. Number seven, the Baltimore Ravens, another team that was on the bye week. This week, and they are one of the best uh, running football teams in the National Football League. They are one of five teams to average more than 150 yards running the football per game. They also score a lot of points. They're top five in scoring. They average 26 points. This offense can score. They've proven to do that now without Rashad Bateman and Mark Andrews. They're still winning football games. And to me, I'm going to be honest here. Again, I've never been the biggest Lamar fan, but he is improving. He's improved uh, his completion percentage, his accuracy, uh, like every year. And to me, you know, when I see a lot of teams on third and five, I always give them a 50% chance of making it. It's, what are you going to do here uh, right now? Pass, throw, you know, third and five, it's manageable. It's not yet short, not yet long. Uh, most teams can't do it. I look at the Ravens, and that's the one team where it's third and five. To me, it just feels like third and short because of what Lamar Jackson 
can do with his legs. Uh, that's the only team I really want to be third and seven plus in order for me to feel like they can be stopped because if it's anything shorter than that, I feel like Lamar can extend plays, make plays, and, you know, get you on the ground uh, for a first down when it looks like you can get off the field. Defensively, uh, you know, middle of the pack, mediocre. Uh, still think they can get better getting after the quarterback. Uh, but as of right now, I think Baltimore is a very solid team sitting here at my number seven. Number six, the New York Giants, another team that comes in off a of bye week. And they're seven uh, and two. Great football team. Brian Dable, excellent coach, much better than I thought he was going to be. Uh, you know, knew he was great with Josh Allen as the offensive coordinator. They clearly clicked. Now, you know, Daniel Jones is looking a bit better. Not turning the ball over as more last year as turnover after turnover. So far, only two interceptions. Brian Dable's done a good job with him, even though I still don't think he's a great quarterback. Or will ever be a great quarterback like a Burrow or Herbert or Patrick Mahomes. But this team is led by Saquon Barkley, who is leading the league in rushing yards so far this season with, with 931. He has six rushing touchdowns on the year. He averages 4.7 yards per carry. This team is going as Saquon Barkley is going, one of the best running backs in the league, and now that he's healthy, it really helps him out. Defensively, they've also been better than expected. I thought this defense would just be all right coming into the year, but this defense, to me, has improved vastly. Uh, compared to last year. Number five, the Buffalo Bills. They've dropped all the way from one to five. Why is that? Well, lost two games in a row. A lot of it because of Josh Allen's interceptions. Uh, the inability to stick with the run game late in games, even when you're up to kind of drain some clock, and, you know, keep it fresh with play action. Bit of surprises me, so I'm going to blame some Josh Allen. I'll blame some Sean McDermott. I'll blame some defense for not coming up with some key stops. Von Miller's been good, but other people than Von Miller have to be good. He's 33 years old. Other people other than Von have got to be good. However, I still like them because they still beat the best teams in the league. They beat the Titans. They beat the... Ravens, they beat the Chiefs. Josh Allen can do it. Stephon Diggs is great. Gabe Davis is good. They have the highest point differential in the NFL, uh, plus 99. Your defense, to me, is also, uh, you know, solid. Not as solid as it was to start the season, but it's still a good defense. It's second in points allowed. Per game, offensively, it's the best offense in terms of yards per game in the NFL. They are number one. They also score a lot of points, number two. So if they clean up the interceptions, Sean McDermott calls a tighter game, uh, then you won't really have to worry about this defense coming back on the field, making big stops. But Buffalo 
Even though they're five, they're still a very dangerous team. They're still my pick to go to the Super Bowl. They're still ultra talented at almost every position. Number four, one of the good teams that have beat the Bills, that is the Miami Dolphins. I've got to respect they are number one in their division with the head-to-head over the Buffalo Bills. Tua is the highest-rated quarterback in the NFL. Wake up, folks. Tua can play. He's good. Wake up, folks. Tyreek Hill is on pace to get over 2,000 receiving yards. He leads the league in receiving yards this season. He has been the best wide receiver this season. No question about it. You want to give me Justin Jefferson's catch this year, and, you know, everybody wants to hype up him as the wide receiver one. Don't sleep on Tyreek and Tua and Jalen Waddle, who have just been fantastic. That trio has led them to the number third offense in the NFL uh, in terms of yards per game. And points, they're just outside the top five and the top ten averaging uh, 100 or 25 points per game averaging. And defense, they're in the top ten. The addition of Bradley Chubb, I think, will help them, especially when he gets more familiar with the scheme and how they play uh, down there in Miami. Uh, but I do think this Miami team is very solid. Number three, and I won't like saying this one, it is the Minnesota Vikings. They're eight and one, so I have to give them some respect. Kirk Cousins has a history, not just recent history, but a career history of losing close games, losing big games, and this year he's won every close game. He's won every big game outside of the Philadelphia Eagles. So I'll give him some credit there. He's played better than he has in the past. Justin Jefferson is so far, this is his best year. This offense is very good, just outside the uh, top 10. But, you know, they're making moves on the offense. Uh, The offense, to me, is gaining steam. They are getting better. The one issue I have with them is their defense. I don't think their defense is that good again. Bottom five in yards allowed per game. Uh, you know, teams that have a better defense in terms of yards. The Las Vegas Raiders, they're two and seven. The Pittsburgh Steelers are like three and six. The Carolina Panthers are one of the worst teams in the NFL. They have a better defense than the Minnesota Vikings. The only teams with a worse defense than the Vikings, Houston Texans, Atlanta Falcons, and the Detroit Lions. Minnesota's defense, that is one thing I am concerned about moving. I'm not really concerned about because I'm not a Vikings fan or root for Vikings particularly, but if you are a Vikings fan or Vikings, that is one area of concern that you like shore up, you definitely want your offense out there more on the field more than your defense. I have them at three. Two, the Philadelphia Eagles just lost their first game. They're also even one, but they have a tiebreak over the Vikings. Uh, just dominated uh, by the Washington Commanders. But this defense, especially the secondary, 
with James Bradbury, Darius Slay. I really like overall, like the defense offense. I like how they have an identity. Uh, they know what they're doing. There's no confusion on offense uh, with Jalen Hurts and the roles with A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith. Very solid, you know, offense system. They're number four in terms of yards per game. They score a ton of points. Uh, they're three in points. So, again, this offense is very good. Average 140 rushing yards. They like to establish of a run. This Philadelphia Eagles team, I have them at two. Number one, though, is the Kansas City Chiefs. To me, Kansas City has these fluke losses, uh, per se, against the Colts. That was a, like a fluky loss. It, you look back in hindsight, it's just weird. They have, you know, some close uh, wins. You know, the Raiders was a close one. The Titans were a close one. They didn't look particularly impressive against the Bills. They lost that one. But other than that, it just feels easy for the Chiefs. Like when they beat the Cardinals in the first game of the season, it felt easy. The Bucks, you know, midway so far into the first quarter of the season, Felt easy. The 49ers a few weeks ago felt easy. Jacksonville, who's been in a lot of one-score games this week, never relatively felt close, even though it was a 10-point win. Chiefs, to me, are the best team in the league. Right now, they have the MVP favorite in Patrick Mahomes, uh, who is leading the league in passing yards, leading the league in touchdowns. Uh, He's been phenomenal. His team is second. In, you know, yards, first and points, uh, very good team. Albeit not being able to run the football much. Defensively, I think they're just middle of the pack, uh, kind of a mediocre defense. But if this offense keeps doing what they're doing, uh, you really don't have to worry about the defense, at least right now, uh, until the playoffs come. But So that's my top ten. There you have it. In the top 10, Cowboys, Bengals, Niners, Ravens, Giants, Bills, Dolphins, Vikings, Eagles, and the Chiefs. We'll see if that changes next week. Time to move on to Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant, what's he in the news about now? Well, he just did an interview with Chris Haynes of Bleacher Report, where he talked about his trade request and the team overall. This is what he had to say. I'm not going to quote all of it, but these are just some overall points that he made. He said that, you know, when the team is not playing well, you know the one person they're going to look at, that is him, KD. That is why he requested the trade. And then he said, you know, look at our starting lineup. Then he named names. He's full names here. He said the starting lineup, Edmund Sumner, Royce O'Neal, Joe Harris, Claxton, and me. It's not disrespect, but what are you expecting from that group? You expect us to win because I'm out there? So if you're watching from that lens, you're expecting us to play well. Because number seven, which is Kevin Durant's number, is out there. And then 
they asked him about being a leader. You know, I'm not a leader, question mark. What does that even mean? A lot of people say I'm not a leader because I didn't tell Kyrie to get vaccinated or condemn him for what he's doing. He says, I'm not about to tell people what they can and can't do. Kevin Durantman just contradicted himself, uh, indicted himself, per se. Uh, what did he do? What did he indict himself on? That he is not a leader. He's not. Kevin Durant is not a leader. I don't like what he said. I've never thought KD was a leader. When I think of leaders of a sport of basketball right now, think of Steph Curry as a leader. I think of LeBron James as one of the greatest leaders. I think of Giannis as a leader. I think of Jimmy Butler as a leader. I don't think of Kevin Durant as a leader. Never have I heard a great leader call out his whole starting lineup by full name. We've seen people in the past talk about, hey, the team as a whole, uh, you know, a minor issue, you know, with the team in a broad stroke, but never this specific, never name calling out each player on the lineup that's not playing well. And then, you know, he didn't want to take any of the blame. He does not want to take any of the blame. Uh, to me, his comp in another sport has always been Aaron Rodgers. Uh, Aaron Rodgers never likes to take the blame. You remember earlier in the season, uh, the losses were on, oh, these guys dropped the ball, uh, you know, wrong decision. You know, we need to take people in and out of the lineup and don't give effort. Very deflective. And that's very much what Kevin Durant is. He never holds himself accountable. It's you, you, and you out here on the court. Uh, you're the reason why we lost. You're the reason why I requested a trade. And that's why he proves that he is not a leader. And to me, that's also why he's not one of the greats. You know, he also talked about, you know, his other teammates, Steph Curry, uh, Russell Westbrook. You know, they allowed me to be me uh, because... A lot of those people could take on the blame. Russell Westbrook could take the blame. Steph Curry could. But now he just can't with this team. Again, as I've said for most of the year, most of last year, this team, the Brooklyn Nets itself, they're just a clown show. Uh, They are, every time somebody speaks, whether it's Kevin Durant or Kyrie Irving, you're just waiting for something stupid to come out of their mouths. And I feel bad for the owner. I feel bad for uh, Joe Sy. Seems like a, a you know good owner. Uh, wants to build a good team. Went out to try to build a good team. Him and Sean Marks. And they just run into obstacle after obstacle. Hurdle after hurdle. Because of their own players. If I'm Joe Sy, I'm the team. I'm trying to blow it. I'm not trying to blow this thing up. But I'm trying to trade KD. A Kyrie Irving. If Kyrie Irving can't get traded, I, I might cut him. But, you know, there's a lot of teams. The Milwaukee Bucks owner, don't even know his name. Uh, 
Phoenix or the Miami Heat with Pat Riley. I know he's not the owner, but he's the president of basketball operations. Uh, teams like that, Golden State Warriors, they can sleep well at night. If I'm the Nets owner, Joe side, I can never sleep well at night. I never know what's going to happen, what I'm going to wake to, what I'm going to read or hear from my team. It should. It's probably exhausting. It's a constant headache. Uh, you know, to try to deal with all this uh, here, right now. Again, don't like what KD said. Prove that he's not a leader. Always looking for someone to blame. Uh, that's why he has to go to a team with a strong culture. Like a team like the Warriors with Steph Curry that can take the blame, you know, if it's a loss, it's all on Steph. It can never be on Kevin Durant because he just wants to go out there and shoot the basketball with any outside noise at all without any attention, any spotlight on him. Next, college football playoff rankings. So the college football rankings that came out on Tuesday night, the committee had 10 Utah, 9 Clemson, 8 Alabama, 7 USC, LSU at 6, Tennessee 5, TCU 4, Michigan 3, Ohio State 2, and Georgia 1. That was essentially my top 10 as well that I had. Uh, my top 10, uh, the one through... Uh, six were all the same, but Georgia, Ohio State, Michigan, TCU, Tennessee, LSU. My nine and ten were the same, Utah and Clemson. However, I did have eight and seven switched. The committee had has USC at seven, Alabama at eight. I, however, have Alabama at seven and USC at eight. And, you know, hearing some of the conversation, some people are wondering, you know, why Alabama is there – you know, ahead of Clemson when they're 8-2. and two. And I look at Alabama, and to me this is my gripe of why. Why is USC ahead of Alabama? I look at Alabama, you know, they're 8-2. and two. Their two losses have come one on a walk-off field goal against Tennessee and Tennessee, and the other on a two-point conversion uh, walk-off, overtime win in Death Valley, LSU. One of the toughest places to play. So I give them that benefit of a doubt. USC's alone loss was a two-point conversion similar in Utah. However, other than that Utah win and maybe Oregon State or Utah loss and the Oregon State win, they haven't really faced this competition. They still have to play UCLA and USC, so that'll say a lot. And then probably maybe a rematch with Utah or a game against Oregon. But if you're trying to tell me if USC played the teams Alabama did, played LSU at LSU, Tennessee and Tennessee, uh, USC wouldn't have those same losses. And I think Alabama's still extremely talented with uh, Gibbs at running back, Bryce Young at quarterback, Will Anderson on the defensive side. If you're trying to tell, try to tell me neutral site right now, line up USC and Alabama, what would the line be? 
How much would Alabama be favored by uh, if those two teams were to play at a neutral site? I think Alabama would be favored by 10, honestly. I think Alabama has a better quarterback, better coach, better system. They're tougher. I'd, I'd roll with Alabama. If Alabama Clemson were to line up, neutral site, would you really think Clemson would win? Clemson, who got the beats uh, or the breaks beat off of them by Notre Dame, could handle Alabama? I don't think so. Clemson, a lot of ugly games this year. Again, if they were to face the schedule Alabama would, they'd be very bad. They'd probably be an Arkansas team right now is what they'd be. They'd be a 5-5 five and five tire fire of a team. Clemson's not good. Wake up, committee. Wake up individuals who continually fight for Clemson. Now, I'm not anti-Clemson, but I'm not like a lot of Clemson homers out there uh, that just are all in on Clemson. Our quarterback is not good. Uh, This defense was vastly overrated. And again, this team has had ugly wins against Syracuse, Florida State, Wake Forest, and an ugly loss against Notre Dame. Uh, I don't know how we can justify uh, Clemson really at not and all this hype around him and, you know, still trying to carve out a playoff path for Clemson when we don't do it in the same light for North Carolina. Because North Carolina, same record as Clemson, 9-1 and one in the ACC, same conference. Uh, why don't we give the same respect uh, to North Carolina? They both lost an ugly game. Their one loss was an ugly loss to Notre Dame. North Carolina, to me, played Appalachian State Day 1, which is a tougher opponent, non-conference, than anybody Clemson uh, had to face so far outside of the you know Notre Dame lining up. Uh, and North Carolina's had similar type of wins, a close win over Miami, over Duke, over Virginia, Wake Forest. So, to me, it's like trying to put North Carolina down there, you know, discredit them, but we try to elevate Clemson. Again, brand biased because it's Clemson. If US, if the UNC players were on the Clemson team, they'd be not. If the Clemson players were on the UNC team, they would be 13 because it's a brand. But I still don't give Clemson a shot at going to the playoffs. Uh, I know people will still try to create a path, but I just don't. Uh, Georgia, at worst case, will finish 12 and 1. So they're guaranteed a playoff spot if you finish 12 and 1. I'm sorry. The winner of Ohio State Michigan, which was to me, I've been saying it is the Big Ten championship. Uh, you know, the win after that will just feel easy compared to that. That's two spots locked up. Uh, TCU is a wild card. I'll, you know, if they went out, they're in the top three. Uh, Tennessee, I think, will win out. So that'd be a playoff team. You'd have Georgia, Tennessee, TCU if they went out in the winner of Ohio State Michigan game. Let's say LSU wins out. I'd put a conference champ LSU who's 11-2. and two. Ahead of a Clemson that's 12-1 because, hey, LSU would have beat Georgia and they beat Alabama. Two wins better than Clemson. If USC were to somehow win out, they be- they're better as well. So, you know, pump the brakes here on Clemson. There'd have to be a lot of chaos. 
for Clemson to get in. Uh, obviously, the loser of Ohio State-Michigan, they'd have to have TCU lose a game or two. Uh, they would need Georgia to practically lose out uh, or, you know, Georgia to convincingly, or if Georgia were to beat LSU, of course, Clemson will move up. Uh, but there's still teams above them, you know, USC, Tennessee, uh, Ohio State-Michigan, and, you know, would you have a one-loss Michigan overall? You know, you have all these scenarios there. I just don't think Clemson uh, can do it. I, I just don't. Uh, so those are my thoughts on it. Tomorrow I'll be making some game picks for college football Saturday. Uh, see if there's any upsets possible that are brewing. I'll be making NFL picks as well who's winning this Sunday. And then, last but not least, I just want to touch on college basketball. I wasn't able to predict anything, uh, you know, so far this season, really, for the NBA or college. And I think, you know, college basketball, it's always wide open because of the, you know, 35 games that they play for so many. So many good teams play early. And the Gonzaga, Michigan State, the Kentuckys, the Dukes, the Kansases, they all play, you know, a lot of basketball against each other early, which is nice. They get momentum. And then, of course, March Madness, where anything can happen in a field of 64. So, again, it is truly madness. Texas had a big win over Gonzaga yesterday. Uh, you know, but you had a lot of players return for college. You had the Gonzaga Timmy return. You had the a Juzang for UCLA return, Johnny Juzang. So uh, to me, there's a lot of good college basketball teams out there. Uh, you know, if there is one favorite, it would be North Carolina. But as history has told us, the number one preseason favorite usually never makes it to the final and wins it at the end. So I'm moving ahead of them. However, I do like Kentucky. Uh, they had that close loss to uh, – Michigan State, however, Oscar Shibwe played excellent. He fouled out, didn't play in that second overtime. But I think, honestly, Kentucky uh, would be my pick uh, to win it all this year. They had some tough non-conference games. Again, the Michigan State uh, won, but they still play Gonzaga. They play Michigan out there in London. They still play UCLA. Uh, so they have a tough non-conference, but to me, when it gets to conference, uh, they're clearly the favorite. Florida is not what they were. Uh, Tennessee is good, but they just suffered an ugly loss. And then, of course, you have an Alabama in there, uh, and then they also face a Kansas in the middle of the SEC as well. So Kentucky's toughest games are going to be against non-conference teams, teams they could play in the tournament. Uh, I think Kentucky will be the most well-tested, battle-tested. I think John Calipari will have the troops in order. And I don't think I was ever able to make a prediction for the NBA when I was out on vacation and then I was sick. So I want to make my NBA prediction here. My finals prediction going into the season was the Milwaukee Bucks and the uh, Golden State Warriors. Milwaukee Bucks looking very good right now. Then the Boston are really separating from a pack. As of early, I don't like Boston to repeat, especially against Milwaukee. If Chris Middleton's healthy, uh, that would be a fantastic series. Uh, but 
you know, Boston hangover loss from there last year. New coach. I still think there's some issues right there. Golden State, slow start, I know. Not looking great for them to start the season, but I think they'll eventually turn it around. This team will get better. I did like the Clippers. Uh, I'm glad I didn't name them because with Kawhi's uh, lingering injury, his prolonged absence, it's tough. And the West is just tough in general. Uh, you know, Phoenix, you know, has lost four out of their past seven games. Uh, you know, these teams just beat each other up. The uh, New Orleans, the Memphises, the Trailblazers, and Utah's unexpectedly 10-6. and six. Who would have saw that coming? Uh, the NBA's been fun. MVP favorites, my MVP going into the season was Luka Doncic. Luka Doncic looks like the favorite. John Morant's right there. Uh, Giannis, of course, is always there. But I think this basketball season will be great. And, again, I'm always rooting against the Suns. Uh, so that's always fun as well. So this has been Unbothered. I'll talk to you all on my next podcast. Bye, everybody.